Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is January 18th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC, and I can't believe it's already more than halfway through the month of January, and BC has finally gotten rapid tests. Oh, well, there we go. We've, we're, we've now officially caught up to, well, everywhere else on Earth a year ago. <laughs> yeah, or if you're in the United States a year and a half ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, congratulations. Yeah. I, uh, I guess we have some here too, but they, uh, oh, they're starting to make their way around. I mean, we've, we've got them. I think anybody who wants them can actually get them now, so... Yeah, well, BC only got them just a few days ago, where the rest of Canada had them mid-December. Wow, well, that's, uh, and I suppose they're going to blame the floods for that. Um, no, they're blaming COVID. Of course, of yeah. course. But, I mean, the federal government was was uh, a little slow in procuring them, uh, as in 18 months too slow. Uh, because I believe they were available in the United States in uh, May of 2020. So, yay on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay, Canada, we have got one heck of a show for you today. So, on the show today, should trucking be a Red Seal trade? What to do about those unvaccinated truck drivers? Should climate change, home insurance be mandatory in Canada? Whose fault is Omicron? And what exactly is China up to? There is a gym rebellion in BC, as well as a vaccine mandate for teachers, and so much more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, it's, let's knock a couple of these out of the way real quick. Um, in the Okanagan in BC here, there's uh, 50 gyms that decided that they were going to open today against provincial orders because the provincial government uh, yesterday extended our gym closures, our, uh, our bar closures, and... Um, uh, any like the vaccine um, passport and all that has all been extended indefinitely. There is no end date on it as of the, as of yesterday, and um, so the gyms. I believe it was a few days uh, in um, preparation for it, but yesterday they announced they were going all fifty of them were going to open up today um, against provincial orders. I, I think they're. Pro, it, it's a obviously it's a uh, a protest, um, but I believe you know they're also trying to work on that. Um, we outnumber the enforcers, uh, and they can't punish us all. I think is is kind of the the philosophy they're running on, and uh, I applaud them. Um, one of you know it's one of the businesses that are out there that that uh, is all about keeping people healthy. And um, there's no data that has ever been presented in this province or anywhere that I, I know of that shows that gyms are a, uh, 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 a main source of, of transmission. So 
Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I know that Dr. Bonnie Henry was even asked for uh, to provide the data, to provide the proof that gyms and restaurants and bars are significant sources of transmission, and she has yet to uh, provide that. Yeah, well, I was, I'm glad you made the point that the gyms are, you know, existing to may help make people healthy because that's exactly the point I was going to make. It's it's really sad that they they shut these businesses down, and then it's really short sighted. You know, they've they've shut down these businesses. They said you can't operate in order to control the spread. Yet COVID continues to spread, and then this next wave comes along. At some point, you have to say, okay, well. Obviously, gyms aren't to blame because this keeps spreading. Obviously, bars and restaurants aren't to blame because this keeps spreading. Churches are not to blame because this keeps spreading. So there has to be a point in time where common sense should prevail. But instead, the government just keeps doubling down on stupidity. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you think, well, okay, if we keep doing the same thing, maybe the results will change. Um, yeah, it doesn't work that way. When you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to keep getting the same results over and over again. There, not a single lockdown or or industry shutdown has slowed or stopped the, the progression of the virus. I mean. It's like they shut things down, and the 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 caseload numbers keep climbing every day. I mean, it's not like it shut it down. It's not like it slowed it down at all. I mean, when you compare to to uh, um, jurisdictions where one is completely shut down, like California, and the other one is completely open, like Florida, and they have the same. COVID rates, the same COVID death rates, the, you know, all the numbers pretty much line up with one another. Why are we destroying economies? Yeah, well, and even to bring a Canadian context into it, uh, Premier Scott Moe here in Saskatchewan released numbers today, and the case rate numbers, or hospitalization numbers, I should say, in Saskatchewan are one-third of what they are in Ontario, Yet Ontario is locked down and Saskatchewan is as wide open as any Canadian province can be. I mean, we are the only jurisdiction that doesn't have any uh, restrictions on, on gatherings right now. And then we look and there hasn't been a COVID death in Saskatchewan in, I believe it's two weeks now. And yeah, the, the ICU numbers are dropping. The, the, case rate, the case rates, like infections are going up, but everything else is going down. So... Do we want to say, oh, hey, you know what? Everybody else is locking down. We should too, so our case numbers can go up. Like, Yeah, well, and here in BC, uh, our case numbers are going down. Um, and we apparently peaked early last week, um, and every day our, our case numbers have been dropping. Uh, our hospitalizations are lower than they were uh, in November when we had the last big wave. Um, our, you know, ICUs and deaths are way down compared to them too. Uh, I mean, this is, and and what's driving the majority of hospitalizations and uh, ICU rates and the death rates 
the majority of those are being driven by Delta. Like, it's not Omicron. Like, the Delta's still out there, and the people forget that. They think that Omicron has taken over. And I don't blame people for thinking that, considering that that's how the media is portraying it. And so are the um, governments and the, uh, the, the, the um, health officers, because they only ever mention Omicron during, during their press conferences. Uh, but if you talk to an actual doctor, like someone who's actually treating these people, they'll tell you Delta is still the main driver of hospitalizations because Omicron doesn't do that to you. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, um, there's actually a co-worker of mine who has contracted Omicron, and he says that, yeah, well, he felt a little stuffed up. He's actually had worse colds than how he feels right now. Yeah. But he yeah, still has exactly. to take five days off work. Yeah. Well, but if he was uh, if he worked in healthcare, he'd be uh, ordered back to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that really be makes like, a lot of sense. Yeah, they'd be like, you tested positive? Oh, no problem. Get back to work. Yeah. We'll work with all these sick people. That's right. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's kind of crazy, and, and I mean, speaking of that, I mean, let's let's just quickly pop over to the BC uh, education system here because the BC government is now requiring that uh, uh, that the education employees in the education sector must report their vaccine vaccine status now and i mean we all know what that is it's just another way of saying the vax mandate because that's what happened to the healthcare system in bc and that's why four thousand healthcare workers lost their jobs last uh september the and now they're doing it to the education system and the education system is barely hanging on at the moment because of so many uh teachers being out uh with covid at the moment and you get rid of any more teachers or, or actually the biggest problem is probably going to be janitorial staff. Um, if you, if you have to fire janitorial staff, you can't have a school open. Well, that's true. Yeah. So I don't know what exactly they're thinking, uh, what, the, what they think they're doing here, but they're going, if they have to close schools because they have to get rid of some teachers or they have to get rid of janitorial staff or, or admin staff, uh, what are we doing to the kids, man? I mean, I know what my kids are going through right now. Every single day, not knowing if their school's going to be open the next day. Um, I mean, my daughter is, is uh, you know, she's got the female lead in the high school musical. Um, they don't even know if they're going to be on stage in February when the, when it's supposed to be, uh, when they're supposed to be performing. They don't know, you know, she's in grade 11, so, I mean, they don't even know if they're going to have... Um, like they got finals next week and they're worried that, you know, if someone gets COVID that, that are they even going to be able to write their final exams? Like it's, it's, and they're stressed out. These kids are stressed right out. My daughter broke down crying last night because of all the stress of, of what COVID is doing to them. And, and then the government just adds to it by doing this. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, 
there's no excuse for it. We are two years into this and yet governments still don't seem to have a clue. And they're, they're the ones who keep telling us, follow the science, follow the science. Well, look at some data, you bunch of morons. Yeah. The follow the science crowd is not following the science. No, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, right. So let's move on to that. We'll, uh, Keep it in a COVID vein, but we'll just take a different direction here. The uh, Olympics, Winter Olympics in Beijing, China are coming up soon. And Canada's diplomatic boycott is holding strong. The one government minister that would have gone to China with the Olympians, that would be uh, Minister St. Onge, Minister of Sport, is staying home in protest. And I'm sure that the Chinese have taken notice of that. Well, I think they have, because they tried to blame their Omicron spike over there on a letter that was received from Canada. <laughs> Isn't that, uh, that is so rich. Um, yep, they've decided that their Omicron cases are Canada's fault because somebody opened up a letter that came from Toronto, which obviously was infected with the virus. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. We have known... For over a year and a half, that the virus does not transmit on surfaces. And yet they're trying to gaslight the entire world into believing that Omicron entered China because of a letter received from Toronto. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, and how did the original COVID strain leave China then? Oh, well, that's not important because it didn't actually come from China either. Yeah, I mean, this is, I, I don't know what, what China's trying to do here because it's like, you guys gave the world this virus. Like, you gave it to the world. Now, whether, you know, the NIH out of the U.S. had anything to do with it or not is totally up for investigation, but it came from China. It came from the Wuhan lab. I mean, this is, this is basically fact now um it's i i just don't know what they're trying to do if they're trying to get sympathy or if they're or what i mean they're trying to tell us something that everybody knows isn't even possible and i mean do they think we're stupid they do i mean we are stupid but but how stupid do they think we are i mean to actually believe something like that yeah, it's it's funny how they they want to try to pass the buck in that way because it's it, it's China's virus. We all know that it's China's virus, and I guess if they want to try to blame the Omicron strain on Canada, that's that's up to them. But I I certainly hope that nobody's buying what they're selling. Well, I mean, you know, there will be. I mean, because there are people in this country who live on the left that hate our our country they hate everything canada stands for um they 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 hate our i don't know understand why but they hate our way of life they they uh they hate the freedom we have and you see it every day i mean like they they they're they're on they're on the extreme left in this country and um and i think they want to believe that yeah well i think that's uh that's probably correct. Yep. So, I mean, you're not you're not going to believe it unless you b- want to believe it because it's unbelievable. 
So if you if you do believe it, it's because you want to. Yeah, because it's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. So. Yeah, it's not like it's smallpox coming in on blankets. You know, I mean, it's it, this isn't a virus that, that that lives on surfaces. It just doesn't, and we know that. We've known that for a year and a half. Yeah, that's right. So. All right, so on, still on the China front, just moving off of the Olympics, China has made a $1 billion purchase of a mining company, a Canadian mining company called Neolithium. And yes, they do mine lithium, lithium being a major source for rechargeable batteries, as in electric car batteries. And the Trudeau government, of course, as thorough and smart as ever, has decided that no security assessment will be necessary to for the takeover of a Canadian mining company mining what is considered to be a critical element. No, no, just sell it to the Chinese. There's there's no conflict here at all. Yeah, and this is crazy because we we know that Chinese corporations are just branches of the Chinese Communist Party. Right. Um, every single corporation in China has Communist Party members on the boards to ensure that the company toes the party line. Correct. Um, when you have a corporation in China, you work lock and step with the government. That's just how it works. And if you want to hear someone talk about this, go listen to... Um, and I keep pointing people to this podcast, but Joe Rogan's podcast um, from, I believe, last Friday. It is with uh, General um, McMaster, who was the, uh, um, he was a uh, uh, national security advisor for the U.S. president under Donald Trump. Um, it is... Don't worry, you're not getting a, a skewed, um, uh, you know, view of things because he worked for Donald Trump. He worked for Donald Trump, at, in his own words, because he wanted to make sure that the president of the day got the best possible advice. It did not matter who the president was. Um, so go listen to that podcast because the first, like, 40 minutes is strictly on China and their and the Chinese uh, corporations and how they um, and how they uh, they work together with the Chinese government. It, it's you, you really need to listen to it because it'll really open your eyes to things. It opened my eyes to some things I didn't even know, and I and I already knew about this stuff, and I didn't know everything that they talked about. It was really interesting. Um, so when uh, the Canadian government allows a Chinese corporation to buy a Canadian corporation, what they're actually doing is allowing the Chinese government to buy a Canadian corporation. And when that Canadian corporation mines lithium, and we've got a massive electrification um, happening in the world where everybody, all the cars are becoming electric and, and all of that, this is a massive, massive problem 
in my in my estimation, in my eyes. This is a big problem. Lithium only makes up about three to five percent, I believe, of a battery in a car. Ninety percent of it is nickel. Um, but a lithium battery is three to five percent lithium. But it is, you know, a a, a major component of these batteries and, and it's it's something that's absolutely necessary for these batteries so this is bad this is don't there's no two ways around it this is bad this is bad and the justification as to why there's no need for a security analysis is because neolithium only holds mining properties in argentina and i say to myself i don't care it's still a canadian company and there's still going to be intellectual property with that company that is Canadian and I'm getting awful tired of uh, our intellectual property ending up in China, like the CanSino deal, for example, for the vaccines that we never got. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's a big problem. And not only is it intellectual property, but there's going to be physical property. I mean, these companies like, yeah, they only have mining operations in Argentina, but their offices are here. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually have to applaud Aaron O'Trudeau. And yes, uh, Lewis, you coined that name in our last show. And I'm going to stick with that, Aaron O'Trudeau. He at least called for uh, an investigation into this sale. I don't know if that, if that means it's going to hold up the sale or not. But at least he finally decided to oppose the government. That's That's got to be a step in the right direction. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I am getting a little tired of of just hearing them ask for investigations into everything because it doesn't do or change anything. Even even if the investigations find anything, nothing ever happens. I mean, like we we need. I, I and I and honestly, I don't even know what the answer is right now. Um, I just I just think we need some some people to start using their brains and figuring out a way to stop this stuff. That's probably the best way to put it. We actually do need people with brains and we don't have any of those in government. No, there's very few. I mean, I can name a couple, but there's very few and, and it's, and it's unfortunate. I mean, the, the real leaders are in the, in the private sector. And the reason they're in the private sector is because a, they make more money. B, they are not publicly scrutinized and see their pub, their private lives are not opened up to the public like it's it, why would they do why would they be prime minister or why would they be the minister of finance if they could just be in the private sector and be anonymous yep not that that's a very good point all right we got a few more topics to get to we got the one big one with the with our unvaccinated truck drivers but before we get to that I just got to touch on this because when I found this and I shared it with you, I could see your jaw dropping and Bill Blair seems to be all for this. Should climate change home insurance be mandatory in Canada? Yeah, I saw that. What the hell would, how would they define climate change to insure it in the first place is what I want to know. And uh, I just see so much wrong with this. Yeah. 
Well, and they want to make it mandatory. That's the that's the thing. So if they want to make it mandatory, I guarantee you the sole provider of insurance coverage for climate change will be the federal government. Of course, yeah, because they'll be the ones who will be defining the events that are climate change, like a, oh, a torrential downpour in British Columbia that will be called an atmospheric river, for example, or perhaps a... Uh, an extra heavy snowstorm across the prairies that drops six centimeters of snow more than the previous record. And I mean, it's a, uh, it's going to be such vague guidelines that they themselves will set up. And it's, I just see it being a scam. Well, it's, I mean, they're, first of all, they're, they're not going to declare something an event of climate change if it means they have to pay out. So you're going to have, it's essentially going to be a tax. Well, that's a good point. Right. I mean, they'll never pay out because you, and they'll say just the same thing as every climate activist says until it suits them. Don't confuse weather with climate change. That's right. (laughs) Unless, of course, it suits their agenda, and then they say, look, look, look at that atmospheric river. And you say, oh, you mean the Pineapple Express that we get every year? Like, yeah, it was more than, it was kind of worse than uh, usual this year, but there's several factors for that. All the forest fires that ripped through the uh, the uh, uh, watersheds this past summer, um, leaving nothing to stop the, 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 the water from just ripping down the mountains, right? There's, uh, you know, the heavy snowfalls that we had um, before that, and then the rain that, that came melted all that snow really quickly. And it, it was just a perfect storm. It, this is this is what people forget, is that one in a hundred year events are called one in a hundred year events because they happen on average once in a hundred years, which means it's happened before, and it happened before that, and it'll happen again. Yep, exactly right. And where my mind went with this, because I have a sister-in-law who is an actuary, And I thought, how would you even start to put a dollar figure to some of these events? I mean, obviously, it's easy enough to put a value to your home that gets destroyed in a flood, for example. But I I don't get how as, and I I think you're right that it would be the government who would be the insurer. It would would have to be, for that matter. But how, how would they, as a government, put a price tag on a flood or put a price tag on a torrential downpour or a forest fire or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I really don't know that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a horrible idea, but I think you're right when you suggest it would be just yet one more tax and but they would just call it call it climate change insurance and yeah, how could they define, you know, is this or is this not a climate change event? So you're right. You're probably right. They probably would just never pay out. Yeah, and I mean, and this gets us to the latest polling from Ipsos Reid showing that more than 40% of Canadians 
are not confident that they can even make their bills this year. So all these tax increases and quote unquote in insurance policies are just going to bankrupt a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And then when they want to start talking about, you know, and, the, and there's more and more talk now about taxing our principal residences that hasn't happened yet, but finally people are actually pushing back and saying, no, no, you can just leave that alone. And um, I think you still listen to Michael Campbell's podcast. He, he, one of his regular guests on there was talking about that. And he said, we've really got to be careful because the, the governments will try to pass this off as a 0.2% tax or, and, you know, to make it sound minuscule, but then he says year over year that adds up. And by the time 20 years has gone by and suddenly they want $20,000 from you, well, that's going to be a pretty steep tax bill. So that's, uh, that's not something we can just let them sneak in. No. And I mean, and then there's this other, uh, you know, this other think tank that, that came up with a, a fabulous, wonderful idea of putting a surtax on homes worth more than a million dollars. And, depending on where you are in this country, a million dollar home is average middle class. Well, I mean, in the city of Vancouver, for example, 1.3 million is actually a condemned house that they just bulldoze and put condos on. So, uh, yeah. your, your, your starter homes in Vancouver are already million dollar homes. Well, and through no fault of my own, my own home in the six years I've lived in it has gone from less than 700,000 to $1.25 million. So I didn't do anything to make it go up that high, but yet I will be penalized for it. Like that's not, that's not, um, capital that, that I have access to. That is, that is value in my home that I would never see realized unless I sold the house. So why should I be taxed on something that, like unrealized gains? Like you can't tax someone on unrealized gains. See, that's that's the 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 thing that I think a lot of Canadians don't understand is that yeah they're not concerned with well sorry let me rephrase that they're definitely concerned with taxing you once you sell your house but their concern right now with this tax is exactly that it is the the gained value of your home that you haven't even chosen to realize by selling that home. And I wrote my MP and I just said to him that this, you need to direct CRA to get the hell out of the, the, the cost of our homes. Because right now, as you'd pointed out on a couple past shows, if we were to sell our home, CRA demands we report that on our income tax. So I emailed my MP and said, that needs to stop. It's none of their damn business. Yeah. And they also, I mean, the federal government's proposing all kinds of taxes uh, on landlords and everything that, that just, it, it's going to discourage people from renting uh, places out. That is not going to result in, the, in, in an increase of people buying homes. It's just going to result in the increase of homeless people. Yeah, and actually uh, we'll, we'll have an interview show coming up fairly soon with a, uh, with a realtor and she's going to have some good insights on the housing market and why exactly the housing market is not going to improve. I mean, even uh, these, these taxes included, but, uh, but various other factors too, why there's going to be 
a shortage in housing or a housing crisis as a as a being labeled so, so yeah well and i can tell you right now if they bring in a uh, a tax that is on the value of our home every year because i already pay that it's called property taxes that's right and if we and if we have to pay another tax on top of that if they actually do bring that in i'm moving i'm leaving this country my, my wife and I've already talked about it. We're that getting the hell out of here. Well, and I wouldn't blame you. That's uh, it's an absolutely ridiculous tax, and what it's going to do is it's going to discourage home ownership, not encourage it. And they're already going after landlords, so now there's not going to be rental properties. So it's uh, yet again, folks. It's going to be about control. It's going to be oh, the government will have to step in to to help you because those evil capitalists don't want to pay us tax upon tax upon tax upon tax. Yeah. Ridiculous. No, exactly that. All right. Let's get into the truck drivers. Now, this has really become a, pardon my language, a shit show. Yeah. We've got, last Wednesday, government said, okay, unvaccinated truck drivers, your exemption's okay, carry on. Thursday, when we did our show, I didn't know until just before the show that the government reneged on that and said, nope, you need to have your vaccinations now. So now there's actually truck drivers protesting at different border crossings across the country. There's going to be a massive protest in Ottawa this coming weekend on the 23rd. That's a Sunday. And they don't know what to do with these truck drivers who who left to go across the border on Thursday and Wednesday who are not vaccinated. Now there's there's so many conflicting ideas as to what they can do. And it's yet one more time in our federal government where the right hand has no idea what the left hand is doing. No, that's right. And um, we've already got supply chain issues in this country. Um yeah, but that's, mean, that's because of COVID. Dominic LeBlanc, LeBlanc said so. Right. Sorry, I forgot that. If everybody gets um, vaccinated, the supply chain issues go away. Yeah, I. you know, the, 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 the stupid thing about this is that everything is because of COVID. Every problem we have is because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not really because of COVID. It's because of the government's actions in response to COVID. Bingo. And that's what people have to remember is that what the government is doing is causing all these problems. They caused the worker shortage. They've caused the supply chain issues. They've caused the problems in our healthcare system. They, I mean, I mean, hell look at the fact that SNC Lavalin got, got what, what did they get? $250 million or something. I think it was 150, yeah. 150 million dollars to to build mobile uh, COVID uh, hospitals, and they built what four, and they're in storage, like they're not even being used. And oh, yeah. they, and and they got to keep the, that 150 million dollars. Like, like th- this is this is the kind of stuff that is is ruining this country. I mean, we've got, I mean, they've got this, these, these mobile COVID hospitals. Are they using them? No. All they're doing is, 
bitching and complaining about the fact that our healthcare system is being overrun, but they're not using something they actually contracted somebody to build to relieve the pressure on our healthcare system. Oh yeah, so it's insane. So I, I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand. Like, what are they doing? Well, and and think back to two years ago when the when the pandemic was first declared and we were all ordered to stay at home. Our unvaccinated truck drivers, our unvaccinated healthcare workers, our unvaccinated essential workers of all types were our heroes. I mean, they wanted us to go bang on pots and pans for our healthcare workers. Our truck drivers were heroes for, you know, working unvaccinated, fighting off this virus to deliver the food and all the goods to all of us. And just like the BC healthcare workers, now our cross-border truck drivers have gone from heroes to zeros overnight, and it's uh, now they've been kicked to the curb. Go get vaccinated, you filthy animals! Like it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and but, but but here's the thing: it's like the, the U.S. CDC has already told us; they've already publicly stated now that the vaccines do not stop or even slow down transmission. In fact, vaccinated people transmit the virus with the same viral load as an unvaccinated person. So if it doesn't even slow down the transmission, then it is not a public safety measure to not allow vaccinated truck drivers or to not allow unvaccinated truck drivers because the only person that they are putting at risk at this point is themselves. And even at this point with Omicron, that is debatable. Well, see, and that's the thing. They're, they're most of the time driving alone in their truck. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of team operations out there where there's more than one driver. So, I mean, it's going to be a driver and if they have a dog or a cat with them, which a lot don't do, that's that's going to be it. And they're going to be by themselves for, well, the entire time. So I don't really get how suddenly these people are the problem. And now the U.S. is going to bring in a similar mandate to demand vaccination starting this coming Saturday. And But here's the ridiculous part. Now, on question period last weekend, there was a... Uh, I can't remember who the representative was, was talking with Evan Solomon. And this person had said that if driver X is coming from the U.S., you know, this right now because of the vaccine confusion, they come across the border and they, they can go deliver wherever the, they're going to deliver to. And this is what made me laugh out loud. So they can deliver to, for example, to Calgary. But if they happen to be home terminal, if their home base is in Winnipeg, for example, they will then be allowed to drive to Winnipeg and then do their their quarantine in Winnipeg. So if you're going to let them drive across the country unloaded, why wouldn't you just let them pick up and drive across the country loaded so they can actually make their company some money and then make them do their quarantine alone like they have been the whole time in their truck? Yeah, no, I mean, and the other thing, too, is that the federal government, I I believe, is bringing in a cross, uh, an interprovincial trucker vaccine mandate as well. It's being discussed, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, 
the supply chain issues are only going to get worse. And this is where I say that, you know, all of these issues that we're having right now is are all caused by the government, not, not by COVID, but by the government. Oh, totally. And, and I mean, because the, the supply chain issues are caused by the government and all their restrictions and all of their mandates and all this kind of stuff. And they're only going to get worse now because of these trucker vaccine mandates. Well, you've got to think that the, and they, there was one stat that said probably 90% of truck drivers who cross the border are vaccinated, which would be, which would make sense because that would reflect the general population. So you're going to lose 10% of freight that's currently on the road. And let this one sink in Canada. In winter in Canada, the only jurisdiction in Canada where you're going to get any kind of fresh produce is from BC. And you're right we're actually where you are in the Okanagan, they're still there, you know, lot warehoused. But yeah. other than that, it's all coming from California or Florida, some from Washington State. It's gotta get across the border. So you wanna chop ten percent off your workforce in a business that's already got shortages and drivers, good luck paying any kind of a reasonable price for produce this winter. I mean, you're, uh, this government is shooting all of us in the foot, but they don't care, especially not Mr. Trust Fund boy, because he doesn't even buy his goddamn groceries. We do. Yeah, and the problem is is that it's not 10% of the workforce. In Canada, it's something like 30% of the truckers don't, aren't vaccinated. In the States, it's like 40% or 45% that aren't vaccinated. Like, th- this is, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've I've never gotten COVID from an apple. I mean, this is, this is such BS and is only going to cause more problems and make life worse for everyone. Well, it's going to get worse because... What happens now is, and I've got some experience in the trucking industry for 26 years. Yeah, um, there is, it's going to mean an end to any kind of cheap freight for one thing. It's, so it's going to be he who has the most money will be the one who gets the trucks to, to ship their freight. But it's also going to mean a lot of truck drivers who used to run across the border into the States will now say to hell with that. There's enough work inside Canada and you're going to be paying through the nose to try and get freight out of the States or into the States for that matter. And that is going to cause even more inflation. And yeah, you think there's supply chain issues now? Well, uh, you government, you've done everything you could to put a cement roadblock right in front of your supply chain. Yeah. Well, I mean, let, let's be real here. Freight charges in Canada were already high to begin with. Absolutely, because they're in U.S. dollars. Yeah, the freight charges in Canada were... I mean, if you look at the difference in shipping costs between the U.S. and Canada, it's enormous. Like, Canadian shipping costs were already expensive before all all of this. And since COVID, the shipping costs have skyrocketed. And when you start taking trucks off the road because they're uh, because thirty percent of the drivers are unvaccinated, uh, the the only thing that's going to happen other than empty shelves is the shipping costs are going to get even more expensive. Yep, exactly right. It's uh, yep. So buckle up, Canada, because it is not going to be pretty if the government chooses to double down on this. And based on past experience. We know the government is going to double down on this. 
Yes, they will, because they cannot admit when they're wrong. Nope, heaven forbid. So uh, I don't think we have enough time to get into discussion about trucking becoming a Red Seal trade, but I think we'll put yes. that off for our next show. No, let's talk about it now. Sure. Okay, why, yeah, why not? We can go over our time a bit. <laughs> so. Yeah. Now, there's been calls several times since even when I when I started in this business back in the 90s that perhaps trucking should be considered a trade. And there's, there's talk that if it became a trade, then training standards would get better and you might get better quality of, of drivers. You might get better treatment for some of the drivers across the board. What say you, Lewis? I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. Part of me is for it. Part of me is against it. Um, the part of me that's against it is because it's, it's not easy to become a driver in the first place. Um, like the testing and everything is, is actually, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy to, to get through. Um, unless of course, you know, you're in Surrey, BC, and they, uh, you can just pay someone to give you a passing mark. Uh, <laughs> that was, for all those who don't know, that was something that happened uh, a, a while back. Uh, there was a fake, a fake school <laughs> yep. uh, that was just paying the, uh, the testers to, to pass people, and that's why we had so many parking issues in BC for, for, a, for a while. Um, but, uh, but I mean, as far as I know, that's all been clear, cleaned up. Uh, it's not, it's not easy to, to, to get a commercial trucking license. And, um, but I would, but then I see the kind of crap that happened on our highways this winter when the Coquihalla had to be shut down. And you, I mean, you've probably seen it, the video of the drivers, uh, passing on, um, the Hope Princeton Highway. Uh, on blind corners, uh, they were they were really putting everyone, including themselves, at risk. Uh, it was incredibly stupid. That trucking company that that was in the one specific video, the entire trucking company lost their their license to transport in BC. Um, and uh, so maybe maybe we wouldn't get stupid. Things happening like that. If if people if the drivers uh, were um, part of a trades program, yeah, there's th there's that. I mean, uh, yeah, God, I mean, I've, there's I have tons of horror stories I could tell with incidents like that. That doesn't surprise me at all when uh, you see the trucks passing on blind corners and whatnot. And I think if trucking was recognized as a as a legal red seal trade a lot of that would be eliminated because you'd be getting the drivers at the ground level and then bringing them up so at least you could give them a culture of the industry as well as some actual skill instead of what we do now is we take somebody and who's got, well, I should say up until a year ago in many jurisdictions began doing more you know thorough training of drivers. But prior to that, you would take somebody with maybe only a week's course and then just throw them into whatever big truck you could. And I mean, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we saw, I mean, we've seen a few incidents in this country and I mean, the most famous one is with the humble Broncos. Right. 
um, where the, the entire hockey team was killed, basically. Um, I mean, not the entire team, but... But, yeah, close enough. I mean, it was six, to, 16 people, I believe it was, or 18. Yeah. Or... yeah, and it was because of a driver who was inexperienced and made a, a, a tragic mistake. Yeah. And one that likely would not have been made by someone who had either proper training or who had more experience. Well, and under a, a trades program, I mean, that driver with two weeks experience would never have been in a loaded Super B truck like he was driving. And so that would have avoided, at least uh, potentially avoided that kind of an incident anyway. So, Yeah, and, and so, and I mean, if it was a, like an apprenticeship program or something like that where, but I mean, you, you have something like that and then you've got to have like an experienced driver riding shotgun. And, right. and I don't know that there's enough drivers to be able to do that. Yeah, there's that problem. And you're right. There'd have to be some kind of uh, apprenticeship where they would have sort of graduated skills training. So, you know, you don't start off in the big rig right away. Maybe you start off with the basic five ton truck that you see driving around town, delivering yeah. furniture and whatnot. Right. And Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the but like but like we said, it's all it's hard enough to get drivers as it is, because it's not an easy life. Um, I mean, uh, there's like uh, like long haul, especially long haul trucking, is it, it's very it's a very lonely life. It is it, it's that's a job that's ideal for someone who is a. Uh, a, a a loner or a, or a hermit. <laughs> um, yeah. it's not, a, it's not an easy life to be, to be a driver. And that's why it's really hard to find drivers. And if we make it even more difficult to get drivers, um, we might be just shooting ourselves in the foot the way that they're going to with the vaccine mandate. Yeah. See, and that's a good, a, a good point for the con side of, you know, making, truck driving a, a a red seal trade because if you do make it that difficult to get into a profession that not a lot of people are wanting to get into nowadays then yeah you might just exacerbate the the shortage that already exists yeah so it's it's really tough i mean there's got to be and i i applaud governments in saskatchewan alberta ontario i uh don't know if bc has adopted the same standards but they're uh they've definitely made it much more difficult to get the license from a training standpoint that you can't just walk into the, and it was called the Delta driving school and drop a couple thousand dollars for a license. I mean, now you've got to go through, I know Saskatchewan, there's a minimum 20 hours classroom training before you even get into a truck. And then there's a, a minimum number of hours you now have to put behind the wheel. So they've, they've definitely toughened it up and that needs to happen Canada-wide before they even consider talking about making it a trade. There's got to be some kind of standard. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And, and actually, I've got I've got a, a really good friend who's an RCMP officer, and one thing that he said was that he thinks that because driving in BC is so much different and poses so many different challenges to the rest of the country that BC should like the trucking in BC should have a like, like a, 
a rider or something on their license. So they have to get special, uh, a, a, a special exemption, not an exemption, but um, like a, a, a special license or something just for BC alone. I wouldn't even be opposed to that. I mean, having driven all across Canada and across most of the states in my earlier career in the business, um, BC, Washington State, Oregon, I mean, the very, very unique conditions compared to anywhere else. So that's, yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah. All right, Canada. Well, I got one more thing because I want to leave the show on a high note. Um, we never do that. We don't, but this time... I got to say the woke brigade is, has outdone themselves. Uh, just to the north of you, Lewis, in the city of Whitehorse, Yukon, the woke brigade has decided their need, they need to rename two streets in Whitehorse. One is called Gypsy Queen Lane, and the other is called Peep Street. Those names are offensive and must be stricken from the record in Whitehorse. Did you say just to the north of me? Well, just a day's drive to the north of you. <laughs> a, a day, okay. All right. More like four. But, okay. um, <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so so what exactly are offensive about those street names? Well, Gypsy has got to offend all the Romanian people who live in Whitehorse. All uh, ten of them. Or one or of them. One yeah. or perhaps wow. zero. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and how about the other? Peep Street. Well, I mean, you can't take a peep at a street without offending somebody. What? Okay. Not, um, not a peep out of you about that? Oh, God. <laughs> I... I my brain froze. Yeah, tell me about it. I, I don't even know what to say about those. That's <laughs> that's insane. Uh, all right. Did you see in the United States in a college program, uh, the, swim, the NCAA swimming, uh, the women's champion now is a man, um, and uh, second place is a man? I did see that, yeah. It was, uh, I believe that was the, uh, the man from Yale beat the man from Penn State. Was that the... Oh, yeah. Went? yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> in, 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 in women's swimming. So, yeah, there's that too. Um, the woke brigade has gone insane, Canada, and uh, they're taking us all down. They went insane a long time ago, but it's just getting stupider and stupider. It, it, it really is. Yep. So, um, <laughs> yeah. We're going to leave you with that, Canada. I don't know if that's a high note or just a. Oh my God, this world's gone insane note, but uh, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you again soon. And from Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. <laughs>